1: Pat Vitucci program guests and Craig Roberts are not affiliated with Proxy Freedom LLC. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Proxy Freedom has no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal profession prior to taking action. Advisory services offered through Proxy Freedom LLC, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA SIPC. Proxy Freedom and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. <laughs>
2: Welcome to Don't Invest and Forget, a weekly financial news magazine. Designed to educate and equip you with the roadmap and direction you need to manage your money, meet your financial goals, and instill confidence in your investment choices on the road to retirement. Your host is author, radio commentator, Pat Patucci, with over 30 years' experience in the world of finance and investment planning, with special emphasis on retirement planning. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program, go to doninvestandforget.com.
3: My
4: special guest today, Tanner Fagard with Proxy. Tanner, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Pat, for having me. It's an honor to be back. So Tanner,
3: we are celebrating Life
4: Insurance Awareness Month. Talk to our audience
3: about kind of the 30,000 foot view about insurance. It's so complicated. And sometimes when you talk about insurance, people would say, I'd rather have root canal than talk about insurance. It's just not that exciting. You're talking about my death. Tune me out. I don't want to be part of this. But we know, sadly, we're not going to live forever. And passing a liability on to an insurance company is sometimes a smart thing to do. I mean, you've seen this happen more times than you'd like to think about, right?
4: Of course. You know, and there's always two guarantees in life, right? Death and taxes. That's what I tell people. And so if we, we can't avoid uh, those things from happening, but we can mitigate the risk of how they're going to implement the future generations that we have right and that's really where the traditional life insurance comes into play now like you mentioned like there's there's been a history of uh, I, I call it the evolution of insurance throughout the years where i call it like the Nokia phone if you if you know like if you have that smartphone now pat Right. It does a little bit more than our Nokia phone. That was like that brick phone, you know, of the past. And that's kind of how people still see insurance on, on some lights, but there's a lot more features you can leverage with the phone now, right? The number one feature of a phone used to just be for calling. Now that's the fourth most used feature on a phone is actually a phone call. And it's similar in life insurance too. I'm seeing living benefits becoming a lot bigger play because what if we got a terminal critical or chronic illness, Obviously there's health insurance and everything else that bill is still going to be passed on as well. So if we had something to offset that, or what if we were still alive, the the heart attack, thankfully didn't take us out. Well, you're still going to have all those medical costs in addition to whatever the hospital or your insurance through work is going to cover. That's really where some of these living benefits can come into play but for my more advanced features for for clients that are looking for like retention tools of employees or they're looking for tax advantages for themselves or their executives or even the company that's where we can leverage a lot of really unique tools in life insurance as well such as like executive bonus opportunities or key man policies uh etc
3: it's not just plain vanilla life insurance like it was 30 years ago we're really digging deeper beyond the granular level where it gets into a hybrid investments. There's some collateral benefits. You recently had a seminar where you invited some high-network people like doctors, attorneys. Talk to our audience about some of the issues that was foremost in their mind that really piqued their interest? One of their
4: biggest components, especially as being high income earners, just as much as as anybody is, how do I save money on taxes, right? And so my next question to them is usually, where are we looking at the company level or are we looking at the personal level? And depending on which direction they're looking at the help with, we can kind of strategize the most appropriate plans for them. You know, maybe it's leveraging certain, you know, tax advantages of real estate, such as like syndication plays. You know, I know there's a lot of value and a lot of high net worth individuals are able to leverage those plays. Uh, there's also some advantages in the stock market and as well as insurance. So we take a look at everything as a holistic point of view of like, what's the pain And then let's get to the cause, not just take care of the symptoms. And a lot of times insurance is able to help take care of those causes, not the symptoms, if you would.
3: Please keep in mind, we are not tax advisors. We're not enrolled agents. We're not CPAs. Please confer with your tax professional to see if any tax suitability works for these kinds of investments. Most of these plans get underwritten and underwriters are notoriously pretty picky about some health issues, maybe the age of the client. Talk to our audience about factors
4: that affect the
3: actual premium when it comes to the underwriting point of view
4: so the underwriting process as complex as it can seem and sometimes is it's really simple uh in the aspect of we submit an application and then what they're going to do is they're going to take a look at the the history notes of the doctor. so you know if you went in and, and and mentioned specific things to your doctor that were some concerns and they never were fully addressed or the doctor forgot to continue finishing up those notes those can be negative inquiries kind of on your, your medical record, right? Where we might have to go back and ask more additional questions. Uh, now, most of the time, especially since COVID has happened, they've done a lot of the free underwriting. So as soon as you're submitting an application, they're already doing these things automatically. We're in the event that they don't need to do medicals like, you know, blood, urine, uh, do a full-on medical paramed exam. Uh, A lot of times companies are not necessarily needing those anymore because of the areas of what they're able to pull from, such as the doctor notes or prescription checks to determine what the risk is. And that's what they can base off of. Now, what I tell my agents and what I let my clients know too, is when we are filling out an application to kind of give the best point of view of where you're coming from as a client, I like to write a cover letter with our applications to submit on behalf of our clients to give some more context to those underwriters when they are looking through those medical histories to kind of give them a a, a, more of a leg up, if you would.
3: I kind of kid with you about life insurance is boring, but when it comes to tax savings, that's pretty sexy. I mean, people are really piquing their interest when you talk about combining a life insurance product of some sort, whether it's permanent term, whole life Universal life. I mean, the alphabet soup goes on and on and on. But when you net, net, net save them in tax money, Tanner, that's pretty sexy. That's pretty cool. Talk to our audience a little bit about the tax saving element. And the net effect is it becomes a beautiful investment
4: later on in life. To try not to get into too many of the weeds, because I like to do everything specifically for either the individual or companies that we're working on, because each of them have their own little advantages. But let's say, For just a general sake, uh, uh, purpose sake, if if we were to invest into these dollars into insurance, we actually can take it one of two ways. You can take it as a tax deduction for future benefits or a tax deduction for current year benefits for the company, right? And so depending on what direction we're looking at doing, we place these dollars into a fund that they have access to. They don't have to wait till they're 59 and a half before they can touch it and get penalized. It actually grows tax-free. So they have access to these dollars as they're growing, and then they can take these dollars out tax-free. Now they do that in the form of a loan because there's no taxes on a loan. And that's a beautiful part of um, leveraging these areas, uh, especially if we utilize it for like an infinite banking structure, which they might be a little bit more familiar or about hearing more about, just means we keep the lowest amount of death benefit, what we can, and we put as much premium into the account as what we can, so that way we can shorten that time frame to maximize the benefit. So then you can take those dollars and reinvest into other areas or supplement retirement. Uh, we utilize them a lot for executives who kind of want to create a personalized pension program. And they're looking for some tax exempt retirement income in addition to the 401ks or anything else that they might established or set up through work or on their own personal. It's just another tool that they can leverage depending on what the goals are, right? Are we looking to buy more real estate? Are we looking to buy a vacation home, pay off some debts, supplement retirement, or do we just want to have a nice saving nest egg set aside that we can pass on as inheritance to our future generations? It kind of handles all of those areas
3: in one. Tanner, we talk about insurance, and it really is linked to some event in life, whether it's a marriage, birth to a child, retirement. Maybe you've got a special needs child. Those are the kind of issues that really need your focus on how to solve that challenge. We all have a challenge in some way, shape or form. Certainly life insurance can can smooth over some of those challenges.
4: Absolutely. You know, they they kind of put out there long term care costs right? That's a big thing that, that that the states are kind of looking into. I know some states have even mandatory added on where if you don't have long-term care on a policy, that the government's not going to be able to cover all of those costs. So those are just additional features that when we're looking at life insurance, we could always look on adding on. Uh, I'm not saying that it's always an appropriate time to look at, but bottom line is, is there's so much versatility you have with the life insurance that depending on where the client is, it can cover so many different areas, such as, you know, cost of living for assisted care. In addition to that, there's always the morbid part, right, where let's say we're not here, Pat, like how are we going to cover the cost of the funeral and and pay off the rest of the debts of the house or the credit cards or the cars that we have? And being able to utilize that cash to offset a lot of that or to leverage to be able to give that family that's left over with those assets income for life so that they can just focus on grieving i i think the the stat is like 40 percent of people think that life insurance is more expensive than it actually is so i would encourage people to get some quotes but it's also a great way to make sure that you're healthy. Because think about it this way, the insurance companies are in favor of making bad bets. right? <laughs> so in the event that you do have a health concern or you kind of worried about it, I could tell people it's like the cheapest doctor visit you'll ever have because you're gonna have somebody combing through literally every single little test you've ever done in the past five to potentially 10 years.
3: I think what you're saying, it's the conscientious thing to do if you love your family and you want to see them do well and not have to sell the home and move to a different part of the country or go out and rent the place because now you've left them with debt. So I think it's the right thing to do. Please keep in mind, we are not tax advisors. We're not enrolled agents. We're not CPAs. Please confer with your tax professional to see if any tax suitability works for these kinds of investments. Again, Tanner Forgard is an insurance expert with Proxy. If you have any questions for Tanner, give our offices a call 1-888-PLANWISE 1-888-P L A N W I S E. Go to our website dontinvestandforget.com. Dontinvestandforget.com. Tanner, thank you so much
4: for joining me today. Uh, it was an honor as always. Thank you for the time.
3: Capricci
5: says don't invest and forget.
3: Welcome back. I'm Pat Fetucci. Our special guest today, Michael Gerber. Michael is the founder and chairman of E-Myth Worldwide, his training, coaching, and consulting firm, which has helped grow more than 50,000 businesses. He's author of seven E-Myth books, including the mega bestseller E-Myth Revisited. Michael, I've read your book the first time many years ago, and I continue to pick it up again. It's an easy to read. Every time I read it, I get something else out of it. Is that fairly common?
5: It is actually. Um, I hear that over and over and over and over again from people uh, who are just fans. I don't know what else. To, I don't know what else to call them. They get from the e something they have not gotten from most books, and that's a way to see their problem, their life, and their business in a synchronistic and synergistic way that makes it really, really work for them. Give them a point of view that the reason most small businesses suffer is because the owner isn't an entrepreneur, but what I call a technician suffering from an entrepreneurial seizure. They go to work and create a job for themselves, and it's the worst job in the world because they're working for a lunatic. So I show them in the book exactly how to change that, why most small businesses don't work and what to do about it, is the subtitle.
3: And I guess it's the American dream to own your own business. I suspect there are a lot of people working for corporate America today that either have something else going on the side, or they're dreaming on the back of an envelope about some organization or some product. Why do we have that vision of ourselves as always wanting to be self-employed? I mean, I'm self-employed, you're self-employed. It's wonderful, but it's not for everybody, is it?
5: Well, it's not for everybody. One, because um, you have to figure out everything on your own, And when you're working for somebody else, hopefully there is a structure to the business an organization, other people who know stuff. So very, very, very many people who leave the job with the idea that they're going to have it all when they go out on their own discover how much more there is to know than they ever imagined they'd need to know. Uh, On the other hand, the job is insufferable to most people. So more and more, it's true that most people can't stand the job they got to find something else you know the kaufman foundation which is a uh, not for profit foundation uh, devoted to the development and enrichment of entrepreneurship in kansas city uh, the largest foundation of its kind did a study recently and discovered that 440,000 new businesses are started every month in this country think about it it's extraordinary That means anybody who goes out on his or her own, any independent contractor, any uh, independent salesperson, they call that a business. Of course, I don't call that a business, but that's another subject. But think about the compelling fact of 440,000 new businesses started every month in this country, and 80% of them fail. Can you imagine the economic impact of that?
3: Michael, in your book, you cite the gal who likes to bake, and she decided to open up, I think it was a a bakery. That's a fairly common. You like to cook, you open up a restaurant, and then you progress into the difference between working on your business and working in your business. Amplify on that for those folks who who haven't had a chance to to read your book yet.
5: It's the whole thing of the technician suffering from an entrepreneurial seizure and then creating a job for himself. So she loves to bake pies, so she creates a business to bake pies, and she suddenly hates baking pies because she's also got everything else to do. And so small business owners are working their tails off uh, 10 hours, 12 hours a day and getting very little in return for it. The idea that we share in the EMITH and in all the work we've done since I founded my company, e Worldwide, in 1977, is that... The job is really different than you think. The job is really to go to work on your business, not in your business, just like Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's, did. He didn't go to work in McDonald's. He didn't make hamburgers, didn't make french fries, didn't make milkshakes, didn't do any of that work at all. He never once worked in the store. Instead, he went to work on the store, on the business, to create the turnkey operating system for that business, to package that business as a brand. So the work is from the outside, not from the inside. It's said that you have to transcend your life in order to transform your life. Well, that's also true of your business. You have to transcend your business in order to transform your business to build a business brand. That's what we teach people how to do And that's what I teach people in the dreaming room, how to begin to imagine. You've got to have a dream. You've got to have a vision. You've got to have a purpose. And you've got to have a mission. And you've got to understand that your business is there to do something without you, not to do something because of you. Your business has to operate all on its own.
3: Now, Michael, you you give yourself a title of chief dreamer. There are a lot of folks dreaming of a business, but... Part of the dream, step two, is executing on that dream in a very methodical way, isn't it? Yeah.
5: Most businesses is that the dream is not the dream I'm talking about. The the entrepreneur's dream is how to have a profoundly unique and important impact on his or her customer to differentiate his business from everybody else's. So the dream of the founder of Starbucks, you can go and experience in Starbucks. You know what is it after all it's coffee shop but there's never been a coffee shop like starbucks and that's why starbucks is so darn successful so the dream is about the great result your company is going to produce not about creating um, freedom for you from the job the dream has nothing to do with you the dream has to do with them the people who are going to be your customer the people who are going to work for you the business you're inventing. So the entrepreneurial dream is an invention. Everybody else's dream is a personal dream about, I want to go to Hawaii. I want to live in a house on a hill. I want to get this. I want to get that. I want to get this. I want to get that. It's all about me. That's not the dream I'm talking about. And that dream doesn't get anybody anything other than huge disappointment.
3: Michael, what is the focus and purpose?
5: Well, dream was to transform the condition of small business worldwide. My vision was to create the McDonald's of small business consulting, meaning a a turnkey consulting capability that could be delivered to any small business owner to teach them, to coach them, to support them, to mentor them, to train them on how to build an extraordinarily successful company. My purpose was to transform the lives of the people who want to start a small business so they don't have to suffer, so they don't have to work their tail off,
4: so they don't have
5: to do all the stuff that they typically do. And my mission was to build this turnkey consulting system so it could be delivered by somebody who was very, very inexpensive, education, training, consulting company that's one of a kind in the world.
3: Michael Gerber, his training, coaching, and consulting firm has helped grow more than 50,000 businesses. If you have any questions, feel free to call our toll-free line. Call right now, one triple eight 888 plan wise That's one 888 P L A N W I S E. Michael, continued success to you. Thank you so much, and thank you for your vision. Thanks, Pat.
5: Papatucci says don't invest in for gold.
6: You know, there was a day and an age when a million dollars sounded like just an enormous amount of money. People would point fingers sometimes at a well-dressed gentleman in the community and say, psst, he's a millionaire. Well, today you have to wonder, given the cost of living and certainly the cost of housing in a place like the San Francisco Bay Area, does a million dollars really go that far, especially when it's a million dollars set aside for retirement? Today, our host, Pat Fatucci helps us go a little bit deeper in answering this question. Pat, I guess a million dollars in the bank over a 100,000 is an awful lot of money. But from a practical standpoint, especially as Americans seem to be living longer and longer in retirement, a million dollars probably doesn't go as far as it used to.
3: Yeah, what was the old song? I want a million dollars and a Mercedes Benz and, and then I'll be set for life. You're right. A million dollars used to be everybody's target. If I got a million bucks, I'd reach critical mass. I'm going into my boss and saying... Sorry, boss, I'm out of here. I got my million bucks. I'm moving out and I'm going fishing. Doesn't go as far anymore, does it? That magic number is no longer magical, except if you live in Mississippi, where the annual cost of living for somebody 65 or old is only $38,435. In Hawaii, cost of living is $85,243. What can you expect to get? from a million dollars. There are a lot of studies. Some say 3%, some say 4%, some say 5%. For the sake of our little discussion today, let's assume you can get 4% from your million dollars. That's $40,000 per year. You don't want to start eroding into your principal on your 65th birthday. You've got potentially 20, 30, or more years longer. So you've got to be very careful with your million bucks. So you get 40 grand a year on average, not guaranteed, a theoretical number. You add in your social security check, or if you're married, the two social security checks. You may have a pension. Most folks don't have a pension. Maybe you've got rental income. What does all that equal? If all that equals about 75% of your current working income, you are in pretty good shape, according to some studies. You may not be going to Europe once a year. You may not be buying a new car every couple of years. Sit down and do that pro forma budget that says, okay, if I had this much money in retirement, million bucks, two million bucks, whatever, what's it going to take to meet my obligations and live a somewhat comfortable lifestyle? This excludes anything for splurging. You're going to Australia, you're going to Europe, you're going to Asia. Those are very expensive trips. And unless you've sequestered some money aside in some vacation fund, that may not happen. And so the question is, what kind of lifestyle do you want? Or the other option, and we've seen this migration out of California, especially in light of the recent tax bill where you can't deduct the state income tax only up to $10,000. What about Mississippi? Maybe that becomes more attractive. What about Nevada, Florida, Texas, the no income tax states? Can you trade your expensive two by fours in Bay Area, move either a hundred miles away or move out of California and have your retirement dollars, your million dollar nest egg, go a whole lot further. There is not an insignificant migration moving out of California for that very reason, either because they're tired of the tax issues, the politics, the traffic. You don't need to live in downtown San Jose because you are making significant money. Now you can move far away, even 100 miles away, and buy twice the house for half the price. And another way to augment your retirement money. Maybe you had a million dollars, or maybe you only had a half a million dollars. Then you sell your house and you buy another one somewhere else and you end up with an excess half a million dollars. Well, now you've got your million dollars and now you can take that, in my theoretical assumption, 4%. And so that might get you there as well. What about renting out your rooms, renting out your fourth bedroom? Maybe that's a way. And so there's a lot of creative ways of figuring out how to augment your retirement, if you've not been as diligent as you should have been. But when we get together with our prospective listeners and they come in and say, okay, I'm going to retire. I'm thinking of retiring next month, next year, next quarter. We go through this exact creative thinking and come up with either some ideas or we can't think of anything. We highly recommend you work for three more years to build up more retirement money. So it's always a mixed bag of levels of preparedness. I got to tell you, Craig, in most cases, people kind of beat themselves up and they don't think they're as prepared. And we sit down and we itemize all their assets and liabilities. They pretty much walk out standing a little taller. Their chest is sticking out. They're pretty proud of what they've done because they've miscalculated that old IRA, old 401k, that old annuity, the that mutual fund you've had you kind of forgot about. So we kind of take an inventory of all those assets and liabilities. In many cases, most cases, I would say, end up with a a more favorable outlook than what the prospective person coming in may have thought about. Not always, but it's an interesting observation.
6: And at the end of the day, Pat, it sounds like discipline is really the watchword, not only the discipline. Discipline to contribute to the IRA or the 401k as you're working, heading toward retirement. And then once that major shift takes place and you go from the contributory phase of life to now the withdrawal phase, that continued degree of discipline as to how much you take out and what you spend it on really becomes necessary in order to make sure that that nest egg has the best chance at taking you not just to, but through retirement.
3: Yeah, I mean, preparing with that discipline all during your working years, making that deposit consistently. Don't stop unless the sky falls down on your family. It's at $100 a paycheck or $500 a paycheck or $1,000 paycheck, whatever you're able to push. And over the 40 years of working, it does accumulate into some pretty sizable retirement numbers. And then of course, that's the contribution phase. In the distribution phase of your life, where you're retiring, it's that same discipline, dollar cost averaging, out of your accounts into your checking account to live on. That's the discipline in the distribution phase. So when the nuns used to teach me in Catholic school all about discipline, I didn't really understand it until recently that discipline in so many ways and in your financial life, it becomes a really lifelong lesson. And I thank those nuns for cracking my knuckles with those rulers, which they did have the right mindset I think their message was well-received.
6: Now, if you'd like to get some help, some insights as to where you're at along the process toward retirement and just how much of a nest egg will suit your lifestyle once you reach retirement, why not take advantage of that complimentary financial health and retirement plan review? Don't forget there's never cost or obligation. And about an hour of your time will help you get a better grasp as to where you stand today and what your future will look like tomorrow. To schedule your appointment, simply go to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com and and click on the Make Appointment tab. If you prefer, you can call toll-free to schedule your appointment, 888-PLANWISE, 888-PLANWISE, or once again, don'tinvestandforget.com. And our thanks to our friends at the Bureau of Labor Statistics for the information related to the cost of living for each state.
2: been listening to Don't Invest and Forget with Pat Patucci. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program or to schedule your appointment for a no-obligation financial plan tune-up in one of the Bay Area offices of Proxy Freedom near you, go to dontinvestandforget.com. That's dontinvestandforget.com. Or call 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888 N W I S C, Or visit
1: dontinvestandforget.com. Pat Patucci, program guests, and Craig Roberts are not affiliated with Proxy Freedom, LLC. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Proxy Freedom is no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal profession prior to taking action. Advisory services offered through Proxy Freedom, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC. Proxy Freedom and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated.